morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum. I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to the coaching staff, episode number 69. And this week, we are going to talk about in-season adjustments, when to make in-season adjustments, uh, how to make them, how to sell them to your team, you know, all that fun stuff all down the line here. Uh, but I digress before I get too far into things. I want to welcome back into the coaching staff uh, the the maestro, the 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 the, uh, the uh, PhD of victory. His name is Mister Tony Davis. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I mean, anytime you can be in the 40s uh, over the halfway point through December, uh, you you can't be too too upset about that. Uh, we had a rough one yesterday. Went uh, one out of 11 from the free throw line and. I think we shot like 21% from the three. So, uh, yeah, just trying to stay positive uh, to figure out what I want to say tomorrow. What we need to work on, obviously, is some free throws and some shooting. So uh, we'll, we'll get her headed in the right direction. I just keep telling myself one foot in front of the other. Yeah. Four days until break. Yeah. Uh, you know, I teach history, but I can figure that math out that that is not good. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just going to put that out there. So, uh, yeah, we had a we had a. A really tough week. Uh, we played two outstanding teams. I mean, our, our schedule has been really tough, and uh, we we went on the road to. Uh, I think they were preseason number two in the class below us. Uh, and and you get into the small schools. There's not a whole lot of difference between uh, in in our state. You know, C one and C two, or you know, in 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 Iowa, one A or two A. You know, there's there's just not a whole lot of difference. Um, if you're good in one class, you're probably going to be good in the other class. And, uh, you know, we, we put up a heck of a fight. We made a lot of mistakes, but we kept fighting through them. And, you know, we were down four with 40 seconds left to go, and tip ball gets up in the air, and it went it went the way. If it goes the other way, we've got a wide-open layup, and, and it's a two-point game with 35 seconds left, but it didn't, and they got a wide-open layup, and they went up six. And, uh, you know, but uh, kids fought their tails off, and then uh, – yesterday and and folks again reminder that we we record these on sunday night during the season so uh we're about five days behind here but uh we want to we want a crazy game in overtime at our place against another outstanding team uh top 10 ranked team and and uh yeah it was it was a it was a you're talking about your free throw shooting we struggled from the line a little bit on saturday as well uh but the kids just gutted it out uh they just were really tough mentally physically had a great next play attitude and and uh, we found a way to get done, you know, so I'm just really proud of my kids. And, and by the time folks hear this, we'll be on our, our holiday break. We'll have two more games and, and uh, you know, we're three and two. Hopefully we can get up to five and two uh, before we head to, to the holiday break. So uh, that's where we're at, buddy. Sounds like you got things headed in the right direction with your young team. Uh, you know, all credit goes to the kids. Uh, you know, we've, we faced a real gauntlet. Um, we've, you know, Including our jamboree, uh, five of the six teams that we've played have been ranked teams, either preseason or uh, ranked uh, after the first week of the season. So they were on the fringe of the top ten at the beginning of the year, and you know we uh, we've come out of it three and two, and at this point, um, and and the other the team that we didn't play or the team that we played that wasn't ranked, excuse me. Uh, just yesterday, I believe it was, they took like the number two team in, in the state in C2, uh, to, to overtime. 
Um, so I mean, <laughs> they don't they don't stink either. They're they're a nice they're a nice team that we were fortunate enough to to handle. Uh, so uh, I, I'm just really proud of my kids and and they're, they're working their tails off. They've they've bought into uh, the things that we've tried to sell and 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 hopefully we can just keep it going. So so Good that's work. yeah, you know, trying you know and. And and speaking of this team, well, before we talk about this team, let's talk about uniform numbers, Mr. Viss. How about that? All righty. Um, two uniform number 69s here. One is an offensive lineman. One is a defensive lineman. Let's go defensive lineman first. Okay. Jared Allen. Jared yeah. Allen is correct. Yeah, Vikings defensive end. Yep, yep. And, and the then... other one? Offensive line. Was the other one also an Allen? Larry Allen from the Cowboys? Nope. Oh. Um, probably was most famous playing for the Denver Broncos with John Elway. And then he's Mark Schlereth? Mark Schlereth. Yes, I was going to say he spent a lot of time on television. Stink. Yes, Stink. And the guy, he had like 30-plus surgeries in his oh, career yeah. or something like that, didn't he? So... Uh, he's a walking PPO, I guess. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, those are our two uniform numbers this week, buddy. So well done. That was quick and easy. So let's, let's dive in to in-season adjustments by now. Uh, everybody has played games. They've played enough games to have a, a little bit of a read on their teams. And as you evaluate your teams year in and year out, uh, you have decisions to make as a head coach. You know, you spend from March to November thinking this is going to work and this is going to work and this is going to work. And of course, not everything works, Tony. And and why we get paid the big bucks is to evaluate our teams and and try to figure out what adjustments we need to make. So uh, let's start here, Tony. When when you're taking a look at your teams uh, over the years, uh, what is your evaluation process? You know, how do you look at when to make adjustments, when not to make adjustments, you know, let it ride, or, hey, we, we kind of need to fix this or, or try something else? You know, those are great questions, and those are probably feel questions. Um, you know, when I, when I recently we had a situation where we had a kid that was coming off the bench, and he was scoring 12 a game coming off the bench, and, you know, not playing the, the most amount of minutes, uh, a decent amount, but, but not playing as many as perhaps what the starters were. And so after, you know, three, four ball games of this going on, uh, we decided on Saturday to make a move. We made an adjustment in our lineup there. Um, you know, maybe that had a part in why we weren't as as fluid and connected in shooting the ball as well as what we sometimes do. Um, you know, other things that we change from time to time is, you know, we start off, we give them, you know, five, six different man sets to start the season with and try to get those down over the first six, seven weeks of the season. And then we take a look, you know, at what, what do we need to add? And so we have, you know, several, several sets that we're looking to add over break uh, to give us a little bit more variety on the offensive end and maybe play to our strengths a little bit better offensively. And then defensively, uh, we've been kicking around the idea of trying to press off of makes and or, sorry, try to press off of misses. Um, and so, you know, what type of press should that be and different things like that? Would our guys be able to handle it? And then after watching film, um, you know, we played the game, sat at the game, and then watched it again. But after watching the film on Saturday, it's like we have enough other things. Like with what we have right now, we're making basic errors uh, just in terms of not switching things and, and just, you know, 
not talking and stuff like that. And so it's like, you know, rather than do three or four things, let's do a couple things really, really good. And so we're going to table the the press off of misses. Uh, and I don't know if we'll get back to it, but we're going to table it over break and, and really try to hone in on these basic mistakes that we're making on the defensive end so that we're not giving up almost 70 points against a, against an opponent. Yeah. How many games have you played, Tony? Uh, we we played four. Uh, one of uh, one of the games wasn't necessarily a game that otherwise it would be five, but we had one that if you do a service project, you can count it as a scrimmage. And so we did a service project and were able to count one of our uh, – games i guess as a scrimmage is, is what ended up happening there but we played uh roughly about five games and have scrimmaged a couple different times mm-hmm. so as you're taking a look at your team uh you, you made the lineup change how did you how did you handle the lineup change you know how do you, you know the the communication part of it was it yeah, just we, you just you just dove into it did you talk to the kid that you're taking out of the lineup yeah or we actually talked to both uh-huh. um you know and just just had a conversation was like hey you know nothing that you've really done wrong here but you know in terms of production right now his production is is better and so we're going to make that move and it's not that you can't get it back uh but we feel that you know, he deserves to be rewarded for his play. Um, and so we went ahead and, and had, a, like I said, a conversation with both. I credit both young men, especially the one that was, you know, going to the bench uh, for his maturity and the way that he handled it. Um, he had a good game off the bench on Saturday, uh, had a season high for points uh, on Saturday. And so it was was very refreshing to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that it's it's good to have those conversations. I always talk to the kid it when when i have to make a lineup change i always talk to the player that i'm going to take out of the lineup first and just you know hey you know whatever the reasoning may be but i always talk to them first and then i go to the kid that's going to go into the lineup and tell them uh just out of respect for uh just out of respect for the the kid cuz it's 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 tough it's tough to take a kid out of the lineup it's tough on those players and yeah. and so um you know, sometimes that's a that's a feel thing. Sometimes it's just simple math. This kid's playing better. They're shooting it better. They're they're doing whatever better. Um, you know, my first year as a head coach. This goes back uh, just a, just a little bit, Tony. Uh, let's let's just say Y two K software was being uh, installed on various computers around the world. Okay, so, so a day or two ago, a day or two, yeah. Um, but. We had our starting four. Uh, she broke a finger, and it was like the weirdest thing. And I'm gonna, you know, I'm basically unless we make it to the state tournament, I'm out for the year. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I could come back for the state tournament. I'm like, oh great, you know. And, and she was a very nice player. And I just, I, I, we had a kid who had, who was a, I think she was a junior, uh, who had been kind of, I don't want to say, uh, you know. Not not written off is the wrong word. I, I totally get that, but uh, she uh, w- was not considered a top tier kid. But she was just playing well in JV, and we gave gave her a couple of goes in varsity. And the girl that had been kind of the backup for uh, just was not playing as well. And I, you know, Tony, it was weird. I I went with my gut, and I said, hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna jump the kid that who who was the backup for, and. Mm-hmm. And we're going to kind of take the the starting JV kid, and we're going to give him a crack. 
and all we needed her to do was to rebound and play defense uh, for 18 minutes a game. And that's what she did. And we went on, we, we won seven or eight games in a row to wrap up that season until we lost in the district championship game to go to the state tournament. Uh, kid did a great job. And, you know, sometimes when you make those adjustments, and, and this is long before huddle, this is, the, you know, this is long before plus minus and warps and vorps and schmorps, as Zach Lowe would say. Uh, it, it was it was truly a gut thing. And, and so, um, you know, it's, it's 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 tough uh, when you're making those type of lineup changes, but it's it's that constant evaluation uh, that you have to go through with your team. Um, I prefer uh, Tony. Are you a quick change guy, or do you kind of prefer to let it play out for a while? I prefer to let it play out. Yeah. Um, you know, because there's there's a lot of thought and time that goes into it. I don't know if people get that. You know, just in terms of you know you have your summer, which is you know eight weeks approximately and then you've got your fall stuff and so there's a lot of thought and time that goes into that and you know sometimes you have kids we have summer baseball in iowa Mm -hmm. and so sometimes those kids might be a varsity or a sophomore baseball player so they're not coming in uh to basketball and then all of a sudden you get in this you know the season when they're there and that's when you have to base things and make it fair but you you know, you, you've got to make sure that you put your thought and time into that. And so I'm, a, I'm one who likes to let it play out. But this was, this was a, a, a pretty big, pretty significant gap between the two's performance. And so it was strictly a numbers performance based decision. Mm-hmm. Coaches, you know just as well as I do that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs. But sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for. Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs, and now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A Pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available to you for only $15. In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. What, what are, you know, your, uh, let's say you're doing some schematic changes. Can you think of any situations in your career, Tony, where you've made some big schematic changes uh, after X amount of games into the season or whatever it may be? Uh, you know, what did you do and, and how did you implement those changes? You know, the one thing, you know, I, I would, some might call it big. I, I don't like to make big adjustments. I like to make some some micro or minor ones. Um, but we, we've gone from, you know, messing with tempo to, you know, hey, maybe we're a half-court team because we had some size, and then maybe we, we made an adjustment. We started to play a little bit faster. Uh, we've also gone from where we've been man, and, you know, we, we weren't, really good at it so we've gone to you know some junk maybe you know whether it's like one three with a chaser a box and one diamond and one uh triangle and two inverted triangle and two but anyway uh we've done some of those things just to give because there's not a lot of teams that you know have the offensive acumen to be able to deal with some of those things and so it just kind of muddies the game up a little bit and gives yourself hopefully gives your gives your team a chance in the fourth quarter a chance to to steal one yeah you you know I've done this a couple of times, and and usually it's not a lot of offensive changes per se. Um, mm-hmm. Especially uh, now, we've 
we've gone, uh, you know, real motion-based stuff here at my at uh, at Fort Calhoun. Uh, but at my old job, you know, we were we were pretty much, you know, a power three out, two in type of a team. Um, and, and we kind of had two different versions of it. Um, and and the one year I remember, uh, we just went to the simplest. And it, I mean, it was Tony, it was it was so basic and so simple. Uh, but the kids were really, really comfortable with it. And we just got good spacing with our with our group. And it, it worked out well for us. And uh, the kids did a terrific job with that. I, and I remember, uh, you know, it took us a week to 10 days to really adjust to it. But, man, they, they, were, uh, they were on top of it from, from then on. And, and we about this time of the year, that's when we kind of made that change with that particular team. Uh, the, the one year I coached boys at, at Sioux City Healing, I was a JV coach. And we were trying to kind of do the things that I like to do with just a lot of full court pressure and in your face. Um, and, and, and one of the adjustments that I had to make as a boys coach is that's harder to do with, with guys. Uh, you can do it, not to say that you can't do it, you can do it, but in a short amount of time, and, and that's what we had, it, it just wasn't working. And so we kind of went with like more of a soft three quarter court zone, a, a, you know, uh, pinch the middle, a one, two, two with a couple of different rules with it. And, once we implemented that, uh, we really started to take off. And, and it was an adjustment that I needed to make in my own philosophy where we needed to be um, conservative, more conservative on the defensive end because we were just giving up way too many layups with the pressure here. And, and, and it just wasn't working the way that I wanted it to work. And it, and it didn't really fit the overall program philosophy as well. So I had to change there as well, Tony. So, um, yeah, it was a good thing there. And I think a lot of times, Marty, with being high school coaches, you have to be more adaptable and, and willing to change because it's not like college where you can recruit a specific type of kid to fit your system. You have to make your system fit your players. And so that's something to also keep in mind. And sometimes, you know, like we've talked about it, they're not these huge changes, little micro things like you were talking about. You just weren't going to be as aggressive. You're going to be you're still going to, you know, press a little bit. But it's going to be more of the three quarter soft type rather than the full core aggressive trap because you were giving up layups. And now, you know, this is going to help your defensive average go down and going to help your team have a better chance to win. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's one of the things as coaches that we have to consistently look out throughout the year. Where can we make these little small adaptations in that can benefit our teams? And and when you're making those things, Tony, it, it's it's better to do one, maybe two things at a time and really focus on that yes. for a couple of weeks rather than coming in and, you know, tearing down the whole plan and redoing everything all at once, you know, right? hundred um, percent. It's, it's, it's about minor, small adjustments as you go throughout the year, but you can't, you can't strip it down to the studs and rebuild every several weeks. If you do that, uh, you're not going to be good at anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just going to be good at making changes and, you know, change for change sake is not good. Yeah. Um, when you when you make these changes, I think one of the important things that you have to do with your team is you have to sell your team on it. Um, you know, with with us, with the you know the the two situations that we had talked about uh, before in my situation, and uh, in just a little bit, I want to talk about you know just in this in this year, I kind of as we 
threw around this topic the last couple of days, I, I thought of like, you know, four really big things that we've tweaked um, just in the last four weeks uh, from the start of the season to now that I wanted to share with the listeners. So, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think that it's important that when you are making those changes, obviously the kids are going to pick up. This is different. We didn't do this before. Or, you know, Billy's in the lineup and Joey's coming off the bench. Well, that's different, you know. And, you know, that's a little bit more normal. Most, very few teams, you know, start the same starting lineup on February 15th that they started on December 15th. I mean, that just, you know, for various different reasons. But uh, when you're making those changes, when you, let's say, and again, this is an extreme example, you go from continuity ball screen to pure motion in a, in a season or whatever it may be, or maybe continuity ball screen to, hey, we're still going to run it, but we're going to call a lot more set plays and we're going to s- slow the game down. I think there's a, a salesman's approach that you have to have to this. Hey, I know we've been doing this for four, five, six weeks, but after taking a look at these things, kids, we've really got to, we've got to really take a look at what we're doing and, and, and what we need to do differently. We've got to make some changes here. And, and here's a couple of reasons why we think this is going to be better for us. And, and you got to trust us that, you know, this is the direction we need to go here with our offense, with our defense, with our substitute, whatever the change may be. I, I think that's a really, really important pro, uh, part of it, Tony. The kids, especially today, they need to know why we are doing what we're doing and and when inevitably you're going to make those adjustments and those changes um you you have to be ready to sell that to your team uh, I, I think that's a big part of it yeah i think i think most successful coaches have a little bit of used car salesman in them. Yeah. um you know i think back a long time ago when carlos boozer played at duke and he got hurt and shusheski really made some huge changes he's like hey if you trust me here we're going to win the national championship and lo and behold they did um you know and it, it, you've got to have a little bit of used car salesman and, and, and the one thing i would go back to that you were talking about you know i think back in the day you know when when a coach would do something if a player were to question that the coach might respond back because i said so yeah that doesn't work today yeah. um i think one of the key things you mentioned there is they have to understand the why a little bit and so along with being able to use car salesman, you have to be a little bit of a philosopher, too, to try to get them to see your vision and to buy into why you are making these changes. No, wholeheartedly agree, Tony. Um, like I said, this is this is a new generation. They want to know the why. Uh, and, and you can't pull out, well, because I said so. I mean, it, it just doesn't work. Uh, now, you may have a, a situation, let's say you're changing the lineup, or you're saying, hey, uh, we used to run Buffalo for Billy, and now we're not running Buffalo anymore because that doesn't work. And Billy's like, "I love Buffalo. I get a shot every time." But you're not making it, Billy, and we're we're, we're done. You know, <laughs> we're not running Buffalo for you anymore. You know, uh, but it, you know, I I do think that it's you know the, the 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 more I do this, the more seasoned and experienced that I do this, Tony, it, it is so vitally vitally important to make sure that your team stays on the same page with the coaching staff and, and everybody is lockstep in in motion together as you move forward in the season because uh, kids are smart this day, these days. You know, they're, they're getting on huddle and, and they're watching the film and they're taking a look at things. And I, I really feel like, you know, we, we have to have the ability to really explain 
what we do in those changes, whether we like it or not, whether we like it or not, uh, it's it's something that you have to be ready to do. And so, uh, coaches, if you, if you're thinking about making changes in any way, shape, or form, you got to be ready to answer the question why and and have have a good answer prepared for it. And and sometimes, Tony, I think you'll agree with me here. Sometimes you have to say you have to be extremely transparent and truthful, and you might step on some toes. Hey, guys, you know what? We got to play zone because you just can't guard anybody man-to-man right now uh, or, or, or something like that. And, and, and until we start guarding better here, this is, this is the direction we have to go or whatever the situation may be. I, I think that's a big part of it as well. Yeah, the thing, Murray, too, is you have a lot more tools at your, at your fingertips than what we did, you know, 15, 20 years ago. You mentioned huddle. Uh, you know, there's there's huddle, there's the, the stats themselves, the numbers um, that you can go back and refer to. And I think those are really good things to use as evidence as to why you need to do this. You know, last night when I broke down film, you know, I broke it down, typed them up game notes. They've got the huddle film they can watch. And, you know, one of the things that is highlighted in the notes is, hey, here's a breakdown. Here's another breakdown here. And just so that they can see it where it's at in the quarter the time left in the game. And, you know, this is what we should have done instead. Um, this is what we've been practicing, and we're not seeing this come to fruition in games. But it just shows you, you know, some things that you need to work on that maybe at times you think, oh, they've got this. And, the, you know, the film the film doesn't lie. Yeah. Um, we've actually, and, and Tony, we're in somewhat of a similar situation here, even though I'm a varsity coach and you're a sophomore coach uh, as we speak. Um, you know, I've kind of got a, a, a newer team. We've got a couple of, of freshmen that have, have started and a couple of players that were not healthy all of last year uh, that are sophomores that are now fully healthy and, and, and playing some good basketball for us. Uh, you know, so we've had to make some some changes as well and and uh, i i you know just just for the benefit of our listeners i thought i'd talk a little bit about some of the things that just in the last few weeks since we've started playing games uh some adjustments that we've made and 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 uh just you know again just just hey we're i again seasoned and experienced and things like that but there's always things that you need to be looking at so um i got about four or five things here something some of it's really simple and, and some of it is is not as simple, I guess. Um, and, and just feel free to interject at any time here, buddy. So, um, you know, one thing we changed um, was the way we attack zones. Uh, we just needed to attack zone differently. Um, we had kind of taken our motion man-to-man and tried to apply it to uh, a zone offense. And with this particular group... It wasn't working as well. We just weren't getting clean looks against zones the way that I felt like we we could or should. And so we started working on that about a week and a half ago. Uh, the, the team we played yesterday, it was 36, you know, including the overtime, it was 36 minutes of zone. And so I'm really glad that we did that because I think it, it helped us attack the zone much better than we have been. So we also, I'll go ahead. Now, Marty, with, with changing and going from the, motion-based stuff to to uh, more of a, a traditional, I'm guessing, zone offense. What 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 stood out to you? Was there something in a, in a jamboree in a previous game? Uh, you just you remember this zone offense from 
you know, back that you had uh, used to, with success. What, what were some of the decisions behind that? Uh, the biggest thing that I didn't like what we were doing is is our spacing. Um, I, I just didn't think we had the spacing that I wanted us to have against the zone the way that it, it has it, it's worked well. You know, our motion principles have worked really well for us against man-to-man, uh, but it, it just hasn't done that against zone. So uh, the second team that we played, uh, you know, and, and this is where it kind of really clued in for me. Uh, our second game, uh, the team that we played, I've ne- in my in my three years and change, uh, it's a conference school, and I've never seen him play zone. I've never seen him. Maybe I've missed a film, but I've never seen him play zone. And after about three possessions against us, he went to a 2-3 zone, and they stayed in zone the rest of the game. And at that point, I told the kids, I was like, if that guy's going to play us a lot of zone, we're going to see a lot of zone this year. you know. Mm-hmm. And so we knew we had to do something and we had to at least have a, a plan B if plan A wasn't working more than anything else. Um, and and when we went against that particular zone and then our next game, um, I, I'm just going off the top of my head, but it was probably about 50-50 zone and man. Um, we, we just didn't – I just didn't like our spacing. I just didn't like the, the, the space that uh, it was creating. And, and so we just went to something really, really simple. Um and we've been working on it every day for 10, 10, 11, 12 minutes. And I really feel it paid off uh, yesterday, you know, in, in our game yesterday, because it just gave us the, the looks, the, the, the better looks against the zone that we had been looking to get that, that we just didn't get it the first couple of times that we played against zone t- uh, teams that zoned us. So that was the impetus for us for it. Okay. Yeah. So um, another thing that we, that we've done is we've, simplified our baseline out-of-bounds plays, our sideline out-of-bounds plays, and our sets. In that, um, we we kind of moved, uh, we basically said, okay, when we set up like this, you are going to be here. And, and what I've always, what I've done before is, okay, we want this person here, but everybody else kind of fill these spots. You don't necessarily have, you know, know these spots and we just weren't picking up on it we just weren't picking up on it and that's not the kids fault it's my fault thousand percent and so we took a day and we literally spent 35 40 minutes and what we did tony is we set up our our camera and we we taped every set that we have put in every set that we plan on putting in for the season you're going to be here mary you're going to be here Becky, you're going to be here. Jill, you're going to be here. And this is how we're going to run this. And, and so uh, we have five or six sets in at this point. We plan on foot- putting in four or five more. And, and we told them, hey, we're going to tape them all right now. And so it's there so that we say, okay, when we put in Chicago, it's there on film and you can see it. We did the same thing with our baseline out-of-bounds plays. Uh, here's, here's this. You're going to be here every time now. You're going to, be, you're going to do this. Uh, you're going to be the person that takes it out on every single out of bounds play, whether it's a great, you know, whether it's, it's, you know, maybe technically if we put you here and this gal here, it might work 1% better, but let's simplify it and let's make it good for us right now. Um, and, and so that was, that was an adjustment that, that we made. Uh, and I really want to give credit to, uh, the other plum on the coaching staff. He was the one that really, really pushed me into doing that. And I'm really glad that he did it. 
especially the, not so much the the simplifying the roles on the sets and the out of bounds and things like that but the taping of it and stuff so that the kids can see it and if they've got questions okay what am i supposed to do on on chicago okay this is where i'm supposed to be and and this is where i go there so that's another thing that we've done early in the season here to adjust um another thing that made the adjustment with um i I love designing practices tony uh, but we kind of got into a lull with our practices um, and I realized that we were not being aggressive enough early on in practices. We weren't getting out and running. Um, we weren't getting out and, and just the, the start of our practices were not intense enough. And so this week I really made an intentional effort of, okay, we're going to go from literally the start of practice, this full court drill to this full court drill to this full court drill. And we're going to get after it right away. The first 15, 20 minutes here, um, some of it's shooting, some of it's, playing a little bit, you know, whatever it may be, but but we needed more motion and more movement early on in practice. And I really felt like that was necessary. And I really thought that our practice intensity picked up a lot when we, you know, the, the last three or four days of practice, it was much, much better in that regard. That was an, another adjustment that we've made with this team. And, and, you know, the last thing is we've just made a simple adjustment of, you know, after the other team scores, who takes the ball out uh, to help with our press break and pressure release uh, and, and simplifying some things for a couple of kids. And I, I really I think it's going to work out well for us. Uh, and that's just a little tweak, Tony. But I think it's a little tweak that could be a big tweak. Um, and, and so when you're talking adjustments, a lot of people think, well, we, we got to change our, we got to change our whole offensive philosophy or our whole defensive scheme. But sometimes it's just something as simple as, okay, when Cedar Rapids Kennedy scores against us, Billy, you're taking it out on Friday night instead of Joey. And, and that can, that can make a big, big, you know, little things like that, I think can make a big, big difference in things. Yeah. And I think those are probably the things that in terms of, you know, adjustments that you make in the season. It's the micro things. It's maybe more structure. It's maybe um, providing a little bit more specificity. It's giving them film, you know, and, and, and maybe making little practice adjustments so that you get off to a better start in practice rather than kind of working your way into it, so to speak. Um, but those, I think, are the types of adjustments during the season that you're going to want to do. I think the bigger adjustments, you know, if you're doing some huge structural thing, that's when you start to take a look at it in the summer and and get some of the evidence there because the, it's going to take some time on some of those bigger ones. It's not, you know, a, a week or, a, or two week, adju- you know, adjustment. That's something that needs to be done over a period of time. Yeah, when when you're making a, a big, massive adjustment, um and it still doesn't work, it's probably not the scheme. You know, it's it's probably not the scheme. I mean, you can make some adjustments. And every once in a while, like I heard Doc Rivers talking on Bill Simmons' podcast, and he was talking about a year. And again, he's dealing with professional basketball players. I get that. But he was talking about early in his Orlando, you know, way back when he became the head coach at Orlando, I think it was. And, he, you know, they went through like six games, and they were like one and five, and they weren't scoring very well. And they had three days off in between game six and game seven or something like that. He scrapped his entire offense, and he went to with something completely different. And he said, you know, my assistant coaches thought I was crazy, blah, 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 this and that. But then he said, you know, we went on a great tear, and we ended up making the playoffs out of, after starting out one and five or something like that was the, was the mm-hmm. essence of the story. And 
but those those situations are few and far between. A, you got to have kids that are smart enough to pick up on something like that, and and B, uh, you you got to be able to. I mean, you're a really special teacher if you can make that big of an adjustment in the middle of the season and 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 have it be successful. Yeah, you know the Doc Rivers story there, the Shashevsky story from earlier. Those are more the exception than the rule, and you're talking about two, you know, of the, of the best basketball coaches of all time. Yeah. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter. Send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the a pen and a napkin video library. Well, they may have been, Tony, the two best basketball, two of the best basketball coaches of all time. But can you tell me what is one of the greatest hair metal bands of all time? You know, Marty, as you take a look at that, you know, we go through and we go with the final countdown, and Europe obviously is our answer on that one. Still have yet to go past second 35 on uh, that YouTube clip, buddy. So, (laughs) don't mess with perfection. Yeah, it it popped. Kids were kids were working on a project the other day in class, and I got a speaker in my room. I plugged in my phone, and um, (laughs) the song popped up again. Uh, Now I'm at the point where I can only listen to like the first 35 seconds, and then I gotta (laughs) move forward from it. So. Gotta find something new. Yeah. Um, all right, buddy. Uh, it is your turn for trivia. What do you have for me, sir? All right. Last night in the NBA, Iowa's own Keegan Murray uh, hit 11 threes in a row. That oh. was the uh, record in NBA game. Ended up with 12 makes overall. I want to say it was either 12 out of 14 is what I think he ended up being. But anyway... Can you tell me what is the record for the most made threes in a game and by whom? I believe, I believe it is Clay Thompson. Clay is correct. And I think he had like 14. Bingo. Wow. I got to start to step up my trivia game. You're getting these too easy. Wow. Uh, I think it might have been against like the Bulls or somebody like that where he went nuts and, and, uh, um. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Would you say he was twelve for fourteen? I believe he ended up twelve out of fourteen. Yeah. In in Eastern Iowa, I heard they call that the Tony Viss. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if you lose twelve out of fourteen <laughs> games, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no! Uh, he he had a heck of a night there. Um. And I and I I didn't see any of it. We we were busy with our game, and then um. Uh, we went out and, and 
all the kids were it's kind of the first big night that we had at home so we went out and celebrated the victory kids did a great job in school this semester so we had kind of a big family dinner and then came home and and relaxed and so i didn't i didn't see any of that until like early this afternoon that he went nuts like that so um i believe that after watching a game like that a fellow like mel allen might say So, how, how's that, buddy? How was that for that a was, weekend? That was a great segue. Yeah, thank you, sir. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. So, um, we, we did have much of a chance to talk about uh, what we were going to talk about on the TWIB section this week. Uh, but let's kind of wing it here, Tony. I, I, I think uh, if we're talking about the, the NBA, uh, obviously, and again, by the time folks hear this on Friday, things could have drastically changed. Uh, but... Uh, the story on top of the story on top of the story is uh, the Draymond Green indefinite suspension. Um, and it's, uh, I don't know if it's a sad story. I don't know if it's uh, something that is that he deserves. Uh, I, I don't know if, if we should be mocking him and saying what an idiot, or we should say... Uh, I feel really sorry for him. He's obviously dealing with something. Uh, I'm really kind of torn here, Tony. Obviously, he 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 has not heeded any of the warnings that have been put in front of him, and now it is time. You know, the the, the league has no other choice. I don't believe. I think it's the right decision. But uh, you know, if you're if you're you know, just kind of what your read on the whole deal, I guess, would be the way I would lead into it. You know, there's all kinds of, like, evidence. You know, you go through, you take a look of when he hit LeBron in the groin in the finals and got suspended, and that kind of sparked the Cavs coming back from 3-1 down, probably took a championship away from Golden State there with that behavior. You think, you know, hey, this this is kind of serious. I should probably change my behavior. And then you go to when he knocked out Jordan Poole, um, you know, and then after the whole Jordan Poole trade, people are like, oh, maybe Draymond was in the right here. Um, and then you've got the Gobert chokehold this year when he escalated a situation that I didn't feel like really needed it to that point. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, the other night he hit Nurkic with the spinning back fist. It looked like a UFC fight. Yeah. And so it's one of those things where I think it's sad. Um, I think he's a great teammate. I think he's one of those guys. If you're, you know, if you're on his squad, you love to have him because he's an enforcer. He's a protector. Um, He, plays the game you know physically he hasn't been blessed with a lot of I mean, it doesn't he's not the tallest guy he doesn't jump out of the gym he's got to play it on that that fine line but unfortunately for him it seems like he goes past that fine line at times and so hopefully he'll be able to get the help that he needs the big question that i think that comes out of this is it time for golden state to move on from draymond green want to know more about a pen and a napkin and all the resources it offers Go to apennantanapkin.com, a great resource for any coach at any level. In addition to our Apennantanapkin University video library options that are available to order, we have hundreds of pages of notes, from one-page handouts to book breakdowns to original coaching notes. We also have coaching links, a full catalog of every Apennantanapkin podcast, and ways to contribute to the growth of Apennantanapkin. Apennantanapkin.com is a coaching resource that will help you become a better coach in in simplest terms yes but it's not simple 
uh, you, you have salary cap, you have the legacy of, of Draymond Green. I mean, he is, he is a legend. Uh, but uh, the, the sideshow that has kind of come up along with it here lately, uh, I, I heard a guy, might have been like Tim Kalashaw or something like that, and uh, uh, the production is not matching the problems. Um, he's not producing enough to put up with the problems that he's bringing with the table, you know, and, and, and you, talent trumps everything, Tony, you, you know, this very rarely do we see a franchise or a university, uh, and I shouldn't say university. I I misspoke there. Uh, let me say, let me be clear about that in in professional sports. If Dennis Rodman is producing, the bulls are going to keep him around. Uh, if Draymond Green is producing, uh, the Warriors are going to keep him around. If if Manny Ramirez is getting 140 RBIs a year, the Red Sox are going to keep him around. They will put up with problems as long as you're producing. And it, the, the thing is, he's not producing. And, and now he's spending more time being suspended. And, you know, uh, one of the first things that the, the Warriors said last year uh, after the season was over, was yeah, I, I think maybe that punch might have affected the team. No way, get right out of town. You know, one guy goes and punches another guy right in the face for no real reason. Uh, you know, not to escalate it that much. Uh, I, I just, you know, and so should they look to get rid of him? Yeah, I, I, I think you know, at some point, at some point. No, you know, no one is above the law, and and you have to hold people accountable. And and like you said, Tony, he's Curry's guy. He he's a he's. I, I'm guessing everything that you hear about is he's very much beloved behind the scenes and with the Warriors, and they understand the value that he brings to the table, and and all of that stuff. But you know, there's also the aspect of well, if we're going to get rid of him, we've got to get something for him. Well, they're selling. At, at an all-time low here they're getting a, a quarter on the dollar so to speak and so it's it's uh it's a very difficult situation for golden state to be in because they're kind of you know damned if they do damned if they don't don't you think yeah and they have a thing about where he would go I, you know he's he's a big fan of lebron i think he really is would love to go to the lakers but the team that seems like might be the best fit and might be able to make something like this work would be Dallas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, he, he makes golden state system because he's such a great defender and golden state doesn't have a great, you know, that, that they're, you know, they don't have all the great individual defenders. He's that exception. He is a point forward where he can initiate the offense. He sets great screens. He's a really good passer, but the sideshow has become, more of a distraction than anything and it may be time to kind of you know like you've talked about kind of blow things up and and start over if you were the nba how long would you suspend him for i mean how long does he deserve to be suspended for i mean they're saying indefinitely um you know to me it's a minimum of 10 i would say i could see it being as many as 20 but I, i think it's a minimum of 10 probably a max of 20 yeah i was i was gonna say around 15 seems like the sweet spot and it's kind of the the Ja Morant type of conversation. You screw up again at this level, and you are done for the rest of the year. We're giving you the Ron Artest, you know, type of a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because we now it, you've again you've become something that 
the, the focus is away from the basketball and and the brilliance that he brings to the floor as a basketball player both on the offensive and setting up Curry and Clay and 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 one of the best screeners that we've ever seen in the game and the dribble handoff action that him and Steph run together it's it's just you know when they've really got it cooking it's it's beautiful beautiful basketball to watch but uh I, I think and again I, I heard this on another one I, I think what the NBA is kind of setting up here is okay you were suspended five now let's say we go 15 you know let's say 15 you know um then if you do it again now you're done for the the remainder of the season or or 50 games you know we're going to carry it over to the next season or or something of that ilk uh because it's not 1988 anymore and i get it this this is an average week in bill lane beer's life in 1988 i understand that you know um it's it's a, but but it's a different era and and what is acceptable what is acceptable on the floor now is not as acceptable as it was when ronald reagan was president and it's just been the evolution of the game and you know it he's got to adjust he's he's got to start making adjustments he's got to start doing things differently or he's he's going to really really tarnish what has been a great career a second round draft pick uh f- the perfect fit on the perfect team at the perfect time he he bring, you know like Liam Neeson and take him he has a particular set of skills uh that just fit seamlessly with the people around him and uh you know he's the one that has to to do this uh here's a question for you Tony um here I've heard this bandied around a little bit how responsible is Golden State for this how responsible is like Steve Kerr for this you know, that was the other part that was interesting, too. I don't know if you caught this part of it, but uh, Stephen A. Smith came out and took a shot at Steph Curry's leadership and blamed part of what's going on on Steph Curry. I, I heard and, about it, but I didn't see it. And then Steve Kerr spoke out against Stephen A. Smith, said it was disgusting. Um, and then Stephen A. Smith said, I want to say some stuff, but it wouldn't be appropriate uh, for on air. And they go, well, you have your own podcast, your own show. You could do it there. No, I don't want to do it there either. So I don't know what the ax to grind between Stephen A. Smith and Steve Kerr is. I could understand Steve Kerr stepping in and defending Curry because I've only heard really, really good things about Steph's leadership. Yeah. But I think in terms of like the Steve Kerr, Bob Myers looking the other way because, hey, if we don't have this cat, we don't win the championship. Um, I think I think they have, you know, um, enabled it a little bit, to be honest with you. I don't know if I could put a percentage on it, but I do blame a little bit the, you know, Kerr and Bob Meyer, the former the former GM of the Warriors. Well, and you got to remember from Steve Kerr's perspective, he was with the Rodman Bulls and he saw mm-hmm. chaos on a daily basis. Uh, he was with those uh, jailblazer teams in the late 90s and early 2000s with Rasheed Wallace and Bonzi Wells and Reuben Patterson and uh, oh, a couple other guys. I, 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 there, there's a great book. I, I think it's entitled Jailblazers, and it was written by like an old beat writer from the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, J.R. Ryder was with the, those teams as well. Um, and, and so Draymond... Uh, compared to a lot of the things that that he saw in his career, I, I think part of it is Kerr is like, this is nothing. You should have seen. Stuff. You yeah. should have seen this, or you should have seen that. I mean, and and Kerr has said, what makes Draymond great is his edge, and mm-hmm. you got. I think he's he said something along the lines of, you know, you got to let the lion roar 
every once in a while, you know, and I, and I realize to get the most out of him every once in a while, I've just got to put, put up with something dumb. Um, and there is a point to that, but again, I, I think the lion now, you know, has, has gotten to a place where, uh, they, they think that he doesn't need the rest of the pack to survive. If, if, the, if that analogy makes any sense, Tony. It does, and I really think, to a certain extent, Draymond is, you know, don't get me wrong, I don't think he's planning this, but I really believe he wants to play with LeBron. And, uh, you know, if you, if you take a look, is, he, is, he, is some of this trying to force his way into that? I don't know, and I don't know if, if the Lakers have the pieces to get Draymond from Golden State, and I don't know if I'm Golden State, if I'm trading him in the Western Conference anyway. No, and and I and I don't think they're going to trade him. I honestly, I I don't think they will. I just I don't, I don't see it. I I think they're going to say we're going to have him do this and that, and we're taking care of things behind the scenes. And and they, and by all means, they have the right to do that. We all have privacy in our lives. And it, and if if I if I needed to do something personal for myself, uh, absolutely, I I have the right to that, and nobody else needs to know. I I share with whom I want to share with what I'm dealing with in my own personal life. And, and, uh, you know, so I'm okay with that. And, and I, and I, I I don't think that he's going to get traded. I don't, you know, what's different about the NBA than the NBA when you and I were growing up, um, is teams are just so much smarter now, uh, for the most part, every once in a while, a team makes a dumb trade, but, who in their right mind is, you know, who's going to take a, a look at this situation and go, yeah, you know, let's bring that guy into our locker room with the way he's acting right now. Uh, I, I, I think there is so much more of an emphasis on culture and team identity and, you know, all of those buzzwords that even at Cedar Rapids Kennedy and Fort Calhoun that we really, really focus a lot of time on that, that I don't see teams uh, giving up anything close to what the Warriors would ask for in return for him. And, and that's where I, I was, you know, talking about, uh, you know, before where his stock is, has not been lower than what it is right now. And, and not only that, I think he's 34, or 35 years old. And, and as it has been, as we've seen over and over in sports, the hardest thing to do in professional sports is to coach the, the aging superstar who is no longer as good as they once were. Uh, and very for every Tim Duncan that ages gracefully and understands his role, there's a hundred guys that don't get it, and it's not worth the headache. And I think Draymond, uh, as smart of a guy as he is, I I see him in that category more than the Tim Duncan category. That's just me. And again, I don't know the guy. I had never met him. Uh, this is just observations, things that I've seen. Uh, the same observations that most of the people that are listening to this have seen, you know. So uh, that's 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 my thought on that, buddy. Yeah, I just I don't know what trade scenario would get him. I mean, I, I just I don't I don't have an idea. You know, like I said, I saw something on in Vegas that they said if the Warriors were to put him out there, that Dallas would be the betting favorite. Yeah, and and, and a team like Dallas who is in win-now mode right now because they want to keep Luka happy. Um, I can see that. Now, let's say let's say the Warriors cut him. They just said, hey, we're done. We're cutting you. You're, you're out the door. We, we just can't have you around, period. 
would there be teams that would line up to go after him? Absolutely there would. But teams right now, I don't think, are, are going to give up real assets to bring in Draymond Green. It's kind of like uh, the James Harden situation. If James Harden would have just been a free agent um, without any big contractual obligation, uh, or you would have had to trade real assets to get him, would teams have gone after James Harden? Absolutely. But they weren't going to trade real assets for him. The only team that was willing to do that was Los Angeles. Um, so, I don't know. That's that's kind of what I'm seeing, Tony. I mean, I don't know. What do you think of that? Yeah, I, you know, just one of those things where I think they're going to suspend him for a while. He's going to come back to Golden State, and if the wheels fall off, then... You know, because he just signed a four-year, $100 million deal with Golden State. But I go back to what you brought up that was a good point is, you know, as he's aging, I still think he thinks he's the Draymond Green of three to five years ago. And he, he's, he is not. Yeah. Yeah. You're kind of fading out there, buddy. Sorry, man. Um, just was saying that what you brought up with him, you know, the aging superstar he's not the Draymond Green of three to five years ago. There, There is some, you know, rust. There's father times undefeated type of thing. Yep. Um, you know, and I, I just think Golden State, by giving him the four-year hundred million, that's that's a, that's an albatross hanging around their neck. I just don't know how you move that contract and get back what you think you should get. You're going to get pennies on the dollar in that situation. Yep, yep, absolutely, absolutely so. Well, hey, anything else in the world of basketball? That was, that was kind of the big one I wanted to talk about. Uh, anything else that, that, that you thought of interest that you wanted to chat about real quick the last few minutes? The only thing that I saw today, I don't know if you saw, Kim Mulkey got ejected. But, yeah, she got ejected in a game that they won by a lot. Um, did not like a charge call on Anissa Morrow and lost her stuff and got, got tossed. She kind of pulled the Fran McCaffrey. Yeah, 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 she is the female version of Fran on that one. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it's getting to that, you know, a little bit of that time of season. The referees uh, uh, are not as patient as they were a month ago. Uh, we're going to run into the same thing. It, you very rarely see a lot of technicals in December, uh, but coaches get frustrated with their teams. Referees get frustrated with coaches, and, and usually in January, uh, the number of technical fouls usually go on the uptick a little bit at, at that point of the season. So, uh, you know, let's say Tony, don't get kicked out of any games. All right, I'll do my best this week. I got four more days. I think I can keep it together. All right, that sounds good, buddy. So, uh, well, hey, great episode, episode sixty-nine. Excuse me, talking about in-season adjustments. Uh, great conversation here tonight, Tony. Uh, good luck to you. Uh, this week here and, and, and get a win or two and, and, and head into the holidays feeling good about your group. To you as well. All right. So, coaches, hope you've enjoyed this conversation. Uh, if you have, you know, you know how to get a hold of Tony and I. If you have anything, let us know. Um, and uh, you're going to hear this on Friday. Uh, I haven't decided really what I'm going to do over the Christmas vacation yet, but uh, if, if I'm if I'm off the grid a little bit, hey, spending time with family, doing stuff. Uh, so, uh, you know, just please understand. Um, I'm working hard as the season, you know, during the season here to 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 still help folks out. Uh, so be patient with me if if we're if we're down a little bit. So, uh, coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day 